Hey folks, my name is Infinite, and for almost a decade, I've had the privilege of working as a community organizer on issues related to education equity. Many years ago, one of my favorite community organizers of all time, Bob Moses, warned that in our country, we've been running a share crop of education, meaning that the education we usually wind up receiving in our public schools is largely predetermined and based on the family we're born into. And if we carry that forward into the information age, then we'll have serfs in our towns and cities, just like we had serfs in the Delta, Mississippi during the industrial era. This is the huge challenge facing our country, he said. This prophecy by Bob Moses is now upon us. Welcome to Back to Freedom School, a deeper dive into education equity in the state of Vermont where we'll be discussing issues like school funding, literacy, labor, community schools, and the various ways that white supremacy culture shows up as one of the root problems in our public education system. Thank you for listening. Could you please uh, introduce yourself by um, sharing your name, where you live, where you're from, favorite hobbies, maybe? Okay, yeah, of course. Um, hi, my name is Sajal Mughali. Uh, I am from Burlington, Vermont, originally from Middle East. I'm junior at University of Vermont. Um, my hobbies, I, I like reading, swimming, going out. Yeah, not much to do. Yeah, thank you. You, in, in the first interview without even me asking you, you said, and I love reading. Um, so, so yeah, I love to start there. Do you, um, do you remember how you learned how to read, uh, like both in your native language and English? Talking about my, my native language, my mom was a high school teacher. So she was a strict mother. She let us like, we have a reading time and then she'll sit with us she'll teach me she will hear us read you know she'll correct me and that was something that i started at a very young age and it just continued with me um uh, and in the u.s it's kind of different so when before we moved to the u.s i was the only one in my family was interesting in like learning english um because at the end I knew we were going somewhere where people will speak English and that's like the formal language. So I started first of all by listening. I watched TVs with like subtitles and listening to people first. And then later on, like I bought books and I'll just read them and correct myself sometimes. And um, actually like something that really helped me a lot is music. I like music and I will just listen to music like on repeat. Oh, she's my favorite. Like, <laughs> I love her. I listen to her every day. And when I want to like learn when people speak fast, I'll just like listen to rap. Because I mean, sometimes it's not clear, but I just wanted to like, what if I go there and people will speak fast to me and I don't understand it. So I just like play some rap and then some music. And then it's just like, it continued on for like almost three years. And then when I came to the US, I went to high school and then I went to like ESL classes and then start you know, reading and learning and, and it just went on. And, and so that's your, your learning style, which um, is, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty lucky, I think, um, like compared to other young people who have a harder time, like, you know, I think last time we talked, you talked about your siblings 
um, having a different experience in learning how to read, right? Yes, that's correct. And and you, can you just talk a little bit about the variants there? Yeah, of course. So, like, I don't mind sitting in one place and reading for a long time. My siblings have a hard time, like, sitting for, like, more than 30 minutes to read or 30 minutes to do something. It's hard for them to do that. So it was very hard for them to, like, even learn our own language because, like, especially my two youngest one right now, they don't really know how to speak a lot. Like they don't like to sit, they don't wanna just, you know, do like the old style, you know, reading fashion and all of that. So they had a very hard time with that. We like right now they're trying to like, you know, work on how to like sit down, read and do all of it. But they they face a very hard time reading. And then when we came to the US, like their um, learning experience got harder because they were first of all like isolated not with the other students so it's just made it harder for them to like read and they were also like you know shy nervous you know doesn't really know what to do and so it made it hard for them but i i know a few teachers like my sister's middle school teachers and one in high school like um, sometimes they keep them after school and they just do reading with them like after school and let them like alone with maybe two or three students that they feel comfortable with to read out loud and they let them sit and just read between each other even if they make mistakes they wait to them for like to finish and they will correct them but um, it's it, it was harder for them right now it's getting better um, the only thing that I feel like they're facing is reading out loud they're very scared of like you know speaking when like a lot of people there, especially in their classroom when they have like reading time and the teacher says, you know, you start and then you continue and they just have a hard time like continuing, even though they know like how to read and they know the words, it's just like they feel shy reading aloud. So they're still working on that, but um, they definitely didn't have a, like an easy experience. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't know if people really understand how big of a problem like literacy issue is um, in the United States, in Vermont, not just for uh, students whose second or third language is English, but like people who were born and raised here uh, have a, a having a pretty difficult time uh, overall reading at grade level. Um, what, what do you think are some of the other major issues in the US education system from your experience? There is, I feel like there is a lot of like um, issues that needs to be addressed. But like when I was in high school, like I really didn't get much attention. I mean, I was smart. I work on my own. I like work extra outside of the classroom, but I really didn't get a lot of help when I was in class. Like, yes, the teacher will go over what they want to teach and that's it, they leave it, they go. Some students need to like, you know, you need to repeat things for them once, twice, maybe three times, which is that really didn't happen in, in like high school I was at. And during the time that I was in high school, a lot of my, uh, my classmates were struggling and like, you know, studying for a quiz or a test or something we don't get the extra help after school i don't i i really never i stayed on my own after school to help myself but i really never had a teacher who said oh you're struggling say after school i'll help you that wasn't really something that i experienced in high school um of course we have a lot of issues with reading levels like i know a lot of students who were like juniors freshmen sophomore and the the reading level is like 
middle school student reading level. And I, I, I it's surprisingly because like what I'm assumed when I came to the US is like, you know, every time you move a level, your like your reading level has improved, you know, to move, but they just let them go, even though they're not, you know, ready for the next level. They just let the student move to the next level and um, grammar's issues too. Like I faced a lot of grammar, grammar's problem, like with um, when I was in high school in my English class and like, I know a lot of American students do have issues with that. And I'm just like, it surprised me at first when I saw like, even the native speakers, you know, have issues with the reading, writing, and, you know, understanding the difference between like, then and then and how you write it and when to use it. And it's just something that, um, like, I realized, like, when I finished high school and, and college, and I think, like, that's just like, little issues, there's a lot of issues. I think the problem is just the way, like, you know, school system here is different, like, you have to read, you know, do your homework, you're done, you know, you have to make a certain grade, that's it, move to the next level, like reading level, your writing level, your grammar level is ready for that next level. So it's just, it's just not, it's not the teacher itself, it's just the school system when it started, it was like that, and it's just. Yeah, you, you also brought up, you know, just in comparison to your school education experience in the Middle East, um, how you got like geometry a lot earlier and algebra a lot earlier? Yeah, that is true. I, I was very shocked when I moved here. They put me in intro to math, I think. And I, I was like, they thought this is like the hardest level for me. And I was like, this is, this is kind of things we take in like middle school, literally. Like geometry, I had it in my middle school. I was done with geometry when I was in middle school. And then calculus was something that you take right after you enter high school like so when we came when I came to the U.S. it was just different and another thing that really like shocked me is so let's say you're in ninth grade you fell in one class you don't move to the next level you repeat ninth grade again mm. in class and then you move on so um here like if you fail you'll take your next level doesn't matter you go to 10th grade and you'll take math for ninth grade and that's it that's different in the U.S. they don't do that uh, and I had geometry early, like in middle school, I had reading classes and writing classes way early when I was in middle school and like early primary school. And, um, and then we have a lot of other classes that's not in the US, but they teach us like economy. We have different history classes and not only like the Middle East history, but they teach us like around the world history. Um, and we have other like, classes that we um, take in the Middle East that are not really like here in the US, but just the way the structure of the school system in the Middle East is way different than here. Yeah, and you, you also talked about, you know, the first time we spoke, you talked about the relevance of some of the content in the curriculum that is being taught. So, so there's the proficiency in like how well you read and how well you can um you know compute in math but then there's like the, the actual content and like where what you know young people are learning about that you felt like wasn't always relevant yeah 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 true i like in high school like they just teach you the things you really like the same thing over and over the things are you just you know supposed to learn in high school and move they don't teach you anything that's related to the real world like you know 
the outside world after we finish high school. You're not going to use like the geometry formula. No, you're going to use something different that will help you, you know, succeed in life. Like I, I was surprised they don't offer any classes about taxes since taxes is a big deal in the U.S. I, yeah. When I came to the U.S., I was shocked that taxes is a thing here because like all over the Middle East, taxes are not a thing. That's number one, buying a car. I had a very hard time, you know, buying a car that I had to buy like multiple cars. And after you, there's a lot of issues with them because, you know, I don't know how to buy a car. I don't know how to register to vote, you know, especially yeah. after 18, you have to register to vote. Like that's something that they don't really teach you much in class. Only like maybe when it comes to like the, to the, you know, vote time, they will just, you know, come to class and tell you, you know, you have the right to vote, so go vote. But they don't tell you how to register, what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. Um, and other classes and other things in life, like they, in here in the U.S., just like they give you the basic stuff that you really need to learn in, in school, but nothing about the real life, the real world, how to be successful after high school. A lot of students leave high school and don't know what to do, how to go to college, how to apply, how to get scholarships. I had a very hard time applying for college. I, I'm a first generation to go to college. I really did not know what to do, where to go, how to get scholarships, how to get the right classes, how to navigate for myself. It was hard. I had to do everything alone. And it gave me a very hard, different experience than somebody who, you know, have their family who went to school here, went to college here, you know, somebody who had the help. So um, in high school, like the classes they have are just basic, but something that you, they should work on is adding classes that really relate to their real life after high school. Sorry. And, and what, do you, what do you think about uh, ethnic studies and uh, social equity? Of course, that's another issue that they have. Like in, in all the history classes, the only thing they teach about is, you know, World War I, World War II, American history, you know, the Gold War, that's it, nothing else. So they don't teach about the real, real like ethnic issues and the problems that are going on in the U.S. They don't open the, 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 like the conversation for students to, you know, say, why don't we talk about like racism in the U.S.? Why don't we talk about, you know, um, the equality in the U.S.? Why don't we talk about the mistreatment for certain people in the U.S.? That's something that's not brought in any history classes or any classes in general. Like, I feel like it's maybe like the teacher's, you know, job to just not let students talk about that so they don't start a like, problem or something. But that's something that they need to bring to here, to class, because especially right now, we're facing a lot of, you know, hard time to like, just to find ourselves facing a lot of hard time to say, you know, what's the difference between racism? What's the difference between, you know, quality? What's the difference between racial issues? That's something that nobody talks about. It's always, you know, something that been quiet in the school and that's not not okay they should bring that up to school because especially i'm talking about burlington high school half of the students are students like immigrated from different place or students of color mm -hmm. that's something they should you know take in i'm not saying okay you don't have to do it all over the u.s but burlington high school literally half of the population are people of color or immigrants yeah you need to at least acknowledge them, you know, and, and, and change the, the way you teach history. But I mean, 
I don't know how it's hard because I really don't know how system works, but I don't know. I don't see what's hard of, you know, saying instead of teaching the regular history class today, we'll teach something different, you know, right. not slow and that's it. And hopefully like you can change it all over the U.S., but I'm pretty sure half of the students, when you bring up something like racism or or like racial issues, they're ready to learn their will be more motivated to talk to you and to have discussion than oh let's talk about war that happened 50 years ago yeah yeah no no thank you for that and and you know i'm gonna ask you a question that might be a little bit controversial but it came up in our in our last conversation you know and i thought it was like really perceptive on your part just around you know your perspective on teaching styles the relationships that teachers have with students the supervision that teachers get or don't get. You spoke about that in the context of people at the school really knowing what the issues were, but weren't really able or ready to address them. That's true. I, speaking from somebody who been in high school for four years and stole everything in high school, I, I do. Let's talk about the first thing, teachers' relationship with students. That something doesn't exist in high school. Maybe will exist in one student and one teacher, and that's it. But in general, it does not happen. I left high school, and I really, I'm like rethinking right now. Do I have a teacher who I go to and trust and tell her, oh, I'm having issues with that, or I'm having issues with that? Not really. I, And it's not something that I didn't want it to have. It's just it was hard from the student and, and the teachers. And, you know, like I never had a teacher who said, you know, if you have a hard time with something, with homework issues, with family issues, with like something outside of the school, come and talk to me. That's not, I, I really never had that. And I'm pretty sure a lot of students don't experience that. It's hard to trust teachers. And, and I'm speaking of a student perspective. I don't, I really don't think any students in, in, in high school had a really great relationship with any teacher in general. And I, I think that's the reason because of, not being able to like share the power between the students and the teacher or not being able to share the trust between both of them like from the teachers and like teachers always trying to like be I'm the teacher here you're the students that's it the relationship you have issues with homework come and tell me nothing else that's it like they I feel like they build like boundaries without really building them but like they make it clear to you that I'm here just to teach you, just to give you what you need to learn for today. And that's it. I, I correct your papers and that's it. Nothing else. I don't want to hear about other issues you have. And and the other issue, I, I know, I know for a fact that a lot of my teachers know that there is problem in the school, that they know there's a lot of racism in the school, that they know there is a lot of inequality in the school, that they know there is mistreatment between certain students and and they just don't want to admit it because the big reason is they're afraid to lose their job. This is the job they depend on. This is a job they get the income from. They support the family based on that. And to speak to say, you know, I see wrong here and you should correct it. It's hard because you don't want to lose your job. You don't want to, you know, not be able to provide for your family. So they know it. Sometimes they try to dress it in, you know, nicer way not a direct way to like say this is racism but it doesn't really work all the time and 
It's, I mean, I understand because if I was in their shoe, I will just do the same because I really don't want to lose my job. If that's the only thing that you get to provide for your family, but I don't, I don't blame the teachers. I blame the, the higher upper, like the district and the upper, the people who control them. So it's understandable, but there's a lot of issues that needs to be addressed. And, but I feel like addressing them it's going to be the issue, you know, like if you open the subject, uh, you know, if you, if you want to address phrases and that's going to create another issue between the schools. So it's like, it's better to leave it the way it is than, you know, open doors that you really don't want it to be open. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Now, well put. And so let's talk about what that results in sometimes, which is uh, students who graduate without good reading or writing skills yes oh uh, uh, that's a hundred percent problem i'll give you an example my brother i know he's not going to be happy ta me talking about him but just, <laughs> don't just don't say his name <laughs> no but he just graduated high school literally and his level of reading and writing is nowhere to be a senior in high school and i'm not shaming him but i like I help him with homework, I'll help him with everything. And now he's trying to apply for a job and he doesn't even know how to open like a job website to apply. And I'm, I'm like, how did you graduate high school in first place? But it's, it's not him. I mean, he didn't even continue like his all, like all credits or all community services. I don't know how he did graduate to be honest with you because there was a lot of things that he should like you know, requirements that he should meet and he just didn't do them and he graduated and he got, I mean, I understand it's COVID and it's, you know, it's harder now, but do I think my brother was ready to graduate high school? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. His level of reading is not a senior level or a college level. His um, reading level is not high enough. I understand maybe because it's a language barrier. His English is second language, but the fact that actually he started middle school here—it's different from middle school to high school. Maybe four, eight years—that's a lot of time to learn writing, reading, and at least have a good level to be ready to college. But uh, and other students this year, last year, and and on and on and on who graduated—they're not physically and mentally ready to be in college. Yeah. And that's why they face a lot of hard time. That's a lot of them make the wrong decisions, you know, on how to, what college you should go to, what major you should major in, what should you should do after that. And I know I, I personally did not take time off to like, to really understand what I want to do because I already knew what I want to do. But a lot of students just say, you know what? I don't, I don't want to go to college anymore because I don't know what to do. I'm not getting the help that I need. So I'm just going to stop going to school. I'll maybe work on a regular job that pays me a minimum wage and I'm going to be happy with that because they did not get the help. So, and so for somebody like my brother who their family are immigrants that don't speak English, never been to school here, don't know how the school works. It's extra hard because they don't know what to do. My mom is trying to help me and support me, but she really does not know what to do. Like, her English is not good, so she doesn't really, she can't help me read a paper. She cannot help me proofread something. She cannot help me to tell me if, if my college essay is good or not. She cannot tell me if all the other things I need in college are good or not. You, I'm, I'm going to get to that um, because that came up in our last conversation. But before I do, I want to 
um, reflect back on something you brought up about the issue of kids being put in the same language groups. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I faced that the minute I came to the U.S. and I started school. They put me in a class where everybody is there, speaks Arabic, and that's it. And it confused me in the in first place. I'm like, we already know Arabic. We're not here to learn Arabic. We're here to learn English, right? Why are you putting me with people that are from the same language group? Because if I'm in a whole class of Arabic people, I feel more comfortable speaking in Arabic than English. And that's going to bring my English level down. And I'm not going to learn. If I want to practice, you know, I just like naturally will lean toward my language and start speaking in it. So that's a big mistake I saw in high school that they put the students with the same. I mean, I understand your partner with the same group, you know, to feel like you're welcome. There's people here that can help you. There's the people that can support you, but you cannot leave them in the same class language room for four years. They're not going to learn nothing. It's just the same people speaking the same language. How are you going to learn? I don't understand when, like when you go to go somewhere else in a different country, are you going to speak in their language or are you starting speaking in English? Of course, you're going to try to speak in their language because, you know, you're trying to learn. So uh, I had, I personally had my mom to sign something to move me from the, like the same ESL class, the different one where there's more American people in there or people at least from like different countries that not people who speak my language, but other students who just stayed in that class and they graduated high school, not in four years, five years, not being able to speak fully English, having a lot of issues. And that's that's something that they should like reconsider when they go get new immigrant students. It's just maybe leave them first time in that class because I felt more welcomed when I saw people from my country. Like, you know, I'm not alone here. There's people like me, they speak the same language. But after a little bit, you got to move them up to help them, you know, learn. Because how are you going to help them learn? How are you going to help them be ready after they graduate high school if you just put them in the same classroom where they, all students speak the same language? Yep. What were some of the, the challenges to having a sense, feeling a sense of community uh, and safety at school? As I said, when we started, they had me in all, like, Middle Eastern students, same language. And then later on, I had to have my mom send me out from that class to something higher. And then when I got to level higher, that that class was on like maybe two, three immigrants and all American people, you know, American students. And that kind of, I mean, I, I tell myself I was ready, but like, to be honest with you, I was not really ready because I was like, I'm not comfortable speaking in front of people. What if they make fun of my accent? What if they make fun of my language? What if they make fun of the way I say something? And that made me like sit, that made me isolate myself alone from anybody else without, you know, somebody telling me to isolate myself. Like I isolated myself because I had all the, the you know, the things in my mind is like, oh, these people are gonna make fun of me, I'm pretty sure. So I should not talk. I should not, you know, go say hi to them. I should not make friends with them because, you know, what if they don't understand what I'm saying? So that was hard. I really did not have a lot of friends in high school, like to be honest with you. Um, it's not because I didn't want to, it's just I physically, emotionally, you know, and like I wasn't really confident in going and talking to people just because I, I put like imaginary things in front of my like real self. So I 
I really didn't feel a lot of sense of community and people in general there like are just like they just care about you know themselves maybe two friends they know already they're not ready to make you know more friends you know to extend the group friend or something on a scale of one to ten how would you rate the school or the district's performance on family engagement your family your community's family there's a negative zero there like I <laughs> negative zero literally not even zero my mom i went from first year of high school to the last year of high school my mom never stepped a foot in high school while i was there four years nobody called my mom about classes about my graduation when i graduated nobody sent my mom nothing to tell her your student your your daughter is graduating this is when you need to come. This is what you got to do for the ceremony. This is what you got to order for the student. Nothing. It's not because she don't want to. It's nobody, nobody sends her nothing. Nobody, you know, she has a lot of language period. She needs translator with her. They don't bring that. They don't provide you that. Uh, there is translators in the school. There is not Arabic one. So it's hard for her. When we have parents' conference, like time, she never comes. Nobody sends her anything to, to call and say, come. Like when I had issues in the school, I mean, I was a kind of a trouble student, but I had issues in the school. Nobody calls my mom. It's always between me and the principal or me and my guidance, not my mom at all. And then when my sister and brother went to high school, now they call me. They don't call my mom at all. My brother wanted to apply for scholarships. I, I even had the email from his guidance saying, ask Sedra, she knows about it. She did it last year, so she can help you. And he's supposed to call my mom for that. Why me? And the other thing that I found out is when my brother gets into fight, they don't call my mom, they call me. And I'm like, you should not be calling me. What if I don't tell my mom, right? She's not gonna know about it. And and my brother will keep getting troubles and all that. You should call my mom because she can address it. Because I'm not going to hit my brother and tell him not to do it. But you should call my mom. They never had my mom. My sister now, she's going to junior year. And she's the second youngest. And she's almost the, the last person in high school. They never asked my mom to come. They never called her. It's always me. Two, four, four of my siblings went to the same high school. My mom never came. Never. And I think that's the school problem. I'm not going to say it's my mom. It's the school problems. They don't provide language help. They don't provide translators. They don't call the parents and say, hey, wait, let me leave you on hold. I have a translator here. I will tell them the issue and then you tell them. And that's not only my mom. That's something that happens in every, the, the whole students, all immigrant students have the same experience. And you can ask all of them. They say, my family never been involved because why the school doesn't want to call them because they don't want to provide a translator or they don't have the time for, you know, somebody translating to your mom and to tell you. And sometimes they use the student to translate for their mom, which is not something that you should do because what if you don't tell your mom the right things, you know? So my mom being in school, zero. She never been in school, no communication, no nothing. And it's the school fault, not, not no parents' fault because the school's keeping the family away from the reality of their students and they it's just she never been in school since i've been in high in high school four years graduated my mom never stepped a foot in school let's just talk a little bit about how remote the remote learning experience was mm -hmm. for your family 
<laughs> oh my god, it's a roller coaster for my family. It's the worst time in the whole teaching history that my family had. I have nine siblings that all went to school from first year of school to graduation. They never had a problem only last year. My family, my siblings have very hard time understanding how to use Zoom, how to sign in class. What's the time for the class? It was very hard experience. My mom tries her best to be involved in that. She doesn't even know how to open an email. She doesn't even know how to write an email. I'm trying to teach her how to use Zoom. Too much things for her. She tries her best. She doesn't. And she's involved in in my sisters and my my siblings, like teaching time. No, she doesn't get any emails. She doesn't know how to, you know, if my, my siblings are attending class or not, you know, like they have them online and they send them. She doesn't know that. I personally faced a lot of issues. My family, maybe six of us in, in, in schools. And every time we use like online Zooming, we have only three bedrooms in our, our house. And to separate is a problem, you know, because I'm trying to sit like in the corner and, and understand my teacher, but I hear my sibling's teacher talking about something else. And then my other one, and we're trying to space it out, but it's just an issue for small, you know, houses for a big family. Wife are always out. The wife I never hit like on for like a 30 minutes, always out because of like everybody using it. And I'm, I try my, like a lot of my time to go to the library and do it, but it's just hard. I don't have the time to like commute to the library and then walk back and then study. It was just a whole issue. And you know, let me tell you one thing, half of the semester are gone. My siblings are sleeping in class. Literally, they turn the thing on and they sleep. And then sometimes they woke up, they're the only people in the Zoom. Like the teacher even signed out. <laughs> the teacher signed out, the students, just the only one in the thing. I literally, like, it's all of my siblings. I can ask all of them. They all have this age. They can't wake up at 9 in the morning and do it because they're up all night, like, playing or something, and they just turn that thing on, log in, turn the camera off, mute yourself, and sleep the whole class. Woke up, you know, sign out, go sign back again, go back to sleep. I don't, I don't think they even learned anything. And Personally, when I, when I was in college, we used something different than Zoom. So the cameras must be on no matter what. You cannot turn them off. They're already on. The only thing you can turn off and on is the, the mute button. But my siblings, you see the whole screen. Everybody is off. Only the teacher is on. And like, how do you know if the students are paying attention to? You know, like I understand some don't have, you know, the right, you know, I know some family walks around, you know, it's not the right time to turn the camera on, but the, a lot of them like sit in their rooms just like and sleep. How do you know your students paying attention to you? How do you know your students is listening to you? How do you know your students participating in the class? They don't do all of that. So the experience from one to 10, I'll just give it one. Learning zero. I don't think any of my siblings or I have learned anything literally. That's just the reality, and I'm pretty sure if you ask all the other students, they have the same experience. So before we get to Faulu, because I want to leave on a positive note with Faulu, tell me from your perspective, as an Arab-speaking brown woman, how does white supremacy culture show up in our public education system? When I came to the U.S., I 
I had to wait a little bit, then I, I had to start working to make money, right? When I start working, I don't know what's like, what's up working in like a grocery store, but people really show you their real face somehow. I don't understand what's the logic behind that, but every time I'm working and I tell customer, I can't do that. It's not because I cannot do it and I don't want to do it. It's the whole store. They don't do it. They always bring racism. Go back to your country. You should not be here. You don't speak English, you know? You're taking my job. How am I taking my your job? The registers are empty, so go work if you want to work, right? It's just, they always bring, go back to your country, you're taking my job, you shouldn't be here. And I'm like, how is it my fault to be here? How is it my fault you don't want to work? How is it my fault I'm trying my best to learn English? But people aren't saying that in the public education system. This not You're not hearing this in the schools though, right? Let me tell you, I honestly, I heard it before and I don't want to bring names, but one day I was sitting in class, two of my teachers were talking, maybe they had an argument or something, but one of them was saying, oh, this black dude don't know nothing. He cannot speak it. He's not, he shouldn't be in school. And another student made, the, I mean, another teacher made the same comment about these immigrant students should not be here. And I'm telling you, right in front of my face, she said that. And yeah. I was like, aren't you not supposed to say that? Yeah. If you signed up to be an ALL teacher, this is your job. You don't want to, you can move on. You can teach something else. Why do you pretend, you know, you like immigrant students, but the reality is you actually don't. And why do you pretend, you know, you're trying to help them study, but you just don't want them to, you know, learn or succeed or anything. Racism in the school it does exist between teachers, between students, between everybody. And two years ago, when the older principal was there, I had issues with another student. Not my fault. It was the student's fault. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I don't want to look the, in the wrong place. But yeah. two teachers were there and they saw that it was the student's fault. My principal came to me, yelled in my face and said, I'm going to send you home if you don't be quiet right now. And I was like, I'm trying to fight for my right right here. I'm telling you, it's not my, like, it wasn't my fault. And if you don't want to listen from me, there's two teachers, not one, but two teachers were in the same classroom. And they can tell you that's not my fault. But they left the students. They just, like, hit them in the hand. That's it. Don't, don't do it. But you can stay in the school, but I'm going to get suspended. But I'm going to get sent home. And I'm going to get my parents called to come to school. And it's just not right. Yep. You know, the time, like, the amount of, like, Racism in the school is just, it's overwhelming. And equality, it's something. And when it comes to punishment, they always punish the colored person, the immigrant person harder than the regular white one. And that's just on, on something that I experienced. I'm not saying it because I want to say, but it's, I saw that in the school uh, based on something I experienced. I hear that. Let's talk about Faulu, how it was created, why it was created. You know, just to give some background, I was organizing with a youth group for uh, a number of years. And when Parents to Youth for Change, you know, the name of the group uh, sort of sunsetted, I still worked with, you know, young people around transformative justice, restorative practices, restorative justice. Can you say a little bit about why you were interested why the work is important 
and how maybe it could address some of the issues that we talked about today. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm just going to start by why do I want to join Falun based on the injustice that I saw in school. Falun was the only correct thing and the right thing to do and to like be part of because the whole mission of Fa'olu is to help student power, to help student voice, to help student voice to be heard, to bring, to have the power shared between students and teachers, to like power students. And I'm all about powering students and hearing their voice because in, especially in, in the American high school systems, if you don't go to college, you're not, you know, educated enough, you should not speak about something. If you're, if you're still in high school, you know, we haven't faced a lot of experience, so you should not raise your voice and talk about a subject that you know about. So when FAO was created, it was to help student power, you know, student power to help students, you know, express their self in general and to be able to speak. We help students by, you know, creating empathy circles. We bring the empathy circles to school. We'll have teachers, students sit and, you know, do empathy circles with them. Um, Talk about empathy circle for a second. Yes, yes. So empathy circles uh, basically is you have a group of people, you sit, you talk about, you can talk about one issue, or you can talk, or you can have the empathy circle just open. You can just, you don't have to have a certain subject to talk about. And then we'll go, give everybody a chance to share something. Um, we'll wait. We have cards that, that we call them card, need card. And it's just based on, they're cards that have needs that after we hear the person talk, we'll place them right in front of them. To, to say, this is what I heard that person needs. This is the person's needs. This is what I think they were trying to say. This is what I think, you know, they're trying to, to, to like send the message out. And you just take the cards, you place them right in front of that person. This person will take time to read the cards, you know, to acknowledge all the things, you put them back and it just goes on for the whole circle. If you're a person who doesn't want to share, you don't have to share. It's nothing to be forced. We'll just let you take your time, breathe. When you're ready, you can pass it on to the next person. It's trusted circle. Nothing you say will be outside and public talked about. It's trusted. You're very respected. Your thoughts, whatever you say, it's very respected. You have the right to say whatever you want. Everybody has to be open-minded about you. You're right the way you want to say things and nobody is judged there. So that's why I like empathy circles because you can be yourself and nobody gonna judge you. And that's the thing that we do in the schools. Another thing is Faolu, the reason for Faolu is to help students. Like a lot of students get suspended from school over something that's very simple that can be addressed between the students, their parents and the teacher or the principal. They get suspended on something that's unnecessary and then the students will miss two to three weeks of you know homework and school work stuff and they got to go back and they got to catch up and they got to say after school so instead of suspending student right away we'll find an alternative way to like address the issue make sure everybody you know happy with that with the decision they made but don't give the student suspension right away um another thing is also bring the parents in the school not only student, but parents gotta be involved in the school. 
it doesn't matter if it's something big or small. Make sure parents are connected with the school. Make sure parents know who's my, my, my son's, you know, teachers or my daughter's teachers. Oh, this is their teachers. You know, this is the person they like. This is the person, you know, they feel comfortable talking to. And that's what Fa'o was trying to do. And based on my experience and what I said earlier is my, when I said my mom was never involved in school because I didn't know about Fa'ulu. If I knew Fa'ulu was there, I will be gladly to go there, ask for help to have my mom come in. But that wasn't there when I was in high school. And a lot of students had this experience. You know, if Fa'ulu wasn't performing, if Fa'ulu didn't become a group, a lot of students will have injustice issues and nobody will speak about it. Nobody will address it. Nobody will like shine the light on the issue. So for all the whole mission of Paolo is to connect students with teachers, teachers with parents, you know, make sure students are heard. I don't, I don't really care if it's something that students should be speaking about or not. If they want to talk, if they want to say something, they want to be part of something, let them be, let them talk, let their voice be heard. I don't, you don't need to be at, go to high, college or have a high level to be educated. No, each of us have different experience. I have a different experience than you, Infinite. I went through a lot of issues. I moved from three countries, so I have different experience than what you had. And I'm not educated enough. I'm barely in college, so... I can speak about it, even though I'm not educated. Experiences are different. These students spend through a lot of hard time. If you don't address the issue earlier, students will have a lot of hard time, you know, like expressing themselves. And a lot of times it will lead to something that nobody wants to like see and nobody wants to hear. So let's address it while it's still, you know, like there, so. What about the restorative practices that the district is doing now, were they doing restorative practices when you were there? No, 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 of course not. My, what, the school's not doing nothing, no restorative practice, no nothing. If the old wasn't there, nothing will be you know, happening. And that's when for Ulu and other groups like for Ulu should step in schools because schools is not doing the job, maybe because they are not aware of the issue. They're not aware what restorative justice will do if it's in the school. Maybe they're not aware. What if, what if we have empathy circles, you know? And that's why we should bring it to the school. Did the school do it when I was in high school? They never did anything like that. Will they do it? I don't think so. If Ba'ulu or other groups like that, we gotta, we're the community. If we don't help them, you know, like understand what's that, what's the purpose of like empathy circles or restorative justice, you know? They don't understand it. And if you don't help them, and if you don't tell them there's something that we should have, they will not have it. And the same issues will happen over and over and over. Okay. Any uh, final thoughts on building healthy learning environments in our schools? Yes, yes, yes. I, I do, like, I have a lot to talk about, honestly, to be honest with you. But one thing that, that they, they, they need to change is I know schools form like that, but you have to listen to what community needs. The students itself, because who's going to school? It's the students. Who's learning? It's the students. Who's staying, whatever, eight hours, nine hours in the school? It's the students. So listen to them. Listen, how do they want to be taught? How do they want, you know, to be, you know, how the classroom they want it to be like, you know, if they don't want to sit on a desk for nine hours, 
don't have them sit on the desk for nine hours. Students want to like, you know, change. If they want to change, make that change happen. Something simple, like instead of having like rows and desks like that, change it to the way that students feel comfortable having, you know? And it's all about like power share. It's all about respect. It's all about listening to each other. If they don't listen to the students, then I don't think any of any issues will be addressed. I don't think any improvement will happen if they don't listen to the student. So I'm, I'm like, if I had something to do, like if I was powerful enough to like go in schools and have something changed, like right now, I'll just go and say, you know what? Listen to the students. Mm -hmm. Don't ever just say, I'm the teacher. I want it the way I want it. Don't do that. Listen to the student. That's it. Yeah, that I think is a great way <laughs> to sum it up. Thank you so much, Saja. Of course, thank you for giving me the opportunity. To yeah, of course, we'll do it again. Thanks again for joining us. If you have any questions, thoughts, or suggestions about anything you heard, please feel free to reach out. You can contact me at infinite@voicesforvtkids.org. You can also visit our website to learn more about our work at voicesforvtkids.org. Shout out to Mike Device with the Thomas Instrumentals and Athena with all the technical support. Okay.